This is Mike Mignola. You're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have Josh45. What up, what up, what up? The Master of Disaster. And CBS. Trying to clean up the mess. You're always a mess. I'm yeah, that's true. After you. Someone's got to do it. Hey, guys. Uh, well, th- welcome to Top of Comics Podcast. Uh, today we are doing episode number 117. It's been a minute since we had an episode on. Uh, so after con season, of course, I got sick for a few weeks and then I spread the sickness and that didn't make anybody else better. And then I went to a con again. So yeah, that's pretty much why that's been like the last two months has just been a mess. Anyhow, um, so yeah, today we're going to be doing, uh, issue number two of X23 from Marvel, uh, the Suicide Squad number 45 and Weatherman number two, X-Men Blue 33 and Teen Titans number 20. And then we'll have an interview with uh, Tony Washington from San Diego Comic-Con this year, 2018. He's uh, done a lot of art, like uh, art stuff for Spawn. And real recently, he uh, he's the guy that won the art contest that they did for the super the new Superfly movie. Came out maybe nine months ago. Anyhow, um, awesome dude. Super, super fun to talk to. Dude's totally legit. So that's really cool. It'll be fun to run that interview for you guys. But uh, let's go and start with a little bit of news. Josh, what do you know about the news? Um, DC's bringing Starman back. Bum, bum, bum. Um, DC's also bringing back um, Hawk and Dove. That's and, interesting. And Spectre. They'll both have their own series. Hmm. All right. And then Dan Jurgens is talking about wanting to do a... He thinks that Guy Gardner deserves his own book again, like ASAP. So they might be doing a Guy Gardner's um, standalone book, which I agree with. I, Guy Gardner's my favorite. It used to be Kyle Reiner, but they they got all wacky with Kyle, Kyle Reiner recently. So I'm, yeah, like the last last few years have been... He's in all over the place. So a little bit. I mean, even, I liked him when he was Ion, but then he was had every... Power Ring, and then he was the White Lantern, and then he's, it's just like, yeah. just chill out. But Guy Gardner's always just a... The White Lantern stuff was because of the New Guardians book. New Guardians is where eventually he got all the different colors, and then they turned right. white, which I mean, is weird. I know all that. I was just saying that, like, his, this kind of all over the place, and even, like, his personality kind of changed because of the, every color of the ring and blah, blah, blah. So right. I think that Guy Gardner just always kind of stays true to being a badass and just being, you know, right up the, the same... Redheaded stepchild of the group. Well, call him what you will, but <laughs> he's the best lantern, in my opinion. Oh man, yeah, that sad day for Kyle. Don't get me wrong, I love, I like Guy just fine. Man, I think if he's gonna have a movie bid, he needs to have a comic book out there. Otherwise, they're gonna go straight to John Stewart, mm, which is fine for a team. Hell, yeah. uh, I don't know, man. If they're gonna put him, a, put a Green Lantern in a team movie, I, I feel like more likely they're gonna go John Stewart, especially with the shape of the current. Uh, Justice League book because current Justice League is just like the animated series plus Aquaman and Cyborg, casting wise. You want to make a bet on it? A which fr- part? A friendly bet. On um, which part? I think it'll be Hal, and you think it'll be John Stewart. You think it'll be Hal, and I think it'll be. Uh, sure, I guess. Whoever loses has to shave their beard. 
That's not into gonna a sweet into, I, into, a, a, into a sweet mustache. Only I have a beard. Into a so sweet Doc Holiday mustache. Not worth it. Oh, I'm the only one with a beard. You don't have a Your beard. Your beard will go back in no. a couple weeks. No, not worth it. Not worth it. It's a possibility I could be wrong because I've been wrong before. You take no chances in life. Nope, not at all. Not that kind. It's more like ones with my life, sure. And then the ones that are like stupid, no. Absolutely not. Silly nonsense. Is there anything else over there news-wise? Um, no. Over there because you're sitting on the other side of the room. Not really a ton. There's not really a lot of new stuff. Um, I guess in Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man number two, there's some real anti-Mormon imagery that like Marvel has to go in and delete. Hmm. I'm curious to know what that's all about. In which issue? Amazing Spider-Man number two. By Nick Spencer. Oh, huh, interesting. Well, the art's Ryan Stegman, so that makes me wonder. He is—he does live in Utah. I don't know if he's a Mormon or not. Maybe. And then um, Shatterstar is going to have a new costume showcased. A new miniseries. Yeah. I think that'll be neat, but you know, recent fare for him in media has not gone well. The co-creator of Ghost Rider also passed away. Oh. Gary Fre- Friedrich. Well, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And co-creator of Spider-Woman also passed away, whatever her name was. Uh, Spider-Woman, the red and yellow suit? The original Spider-Woman. Yeah. Okay, so Jessica... Spider-Woman co-creator Mary Severin dies at age 89. Wow. Jessica Drew. That's crazy. Well, I guess that's not... I mean, yeah, that's interesting. Huh. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, now so, we bring things down in the world. It's good times. It's rest in peace. Hey, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a thing. Huh, that's a, yeah, weird. But, yeah, that's all I got today. Gotcha. All right, well, um, if you guys are watching the uh, Cloak and Dagger series, it's been renewed for second season, so that's neat. We got a, tit- or a trailer now for the team, or for the Titans TV show that's going to be on the DC streaming network. It's got questionable reviews, so, I mean, check that out, I guess, if you're care about watching that i think it looks cool yeah we'll see we'll see aquaman's got a trailer and that looks super full of things so that's cool but whether it works out all right i guess we'll have to wait till november oh whatever mister you're hating for aquaman no reason i do i don't like aquaman and i also what about the Shazam trailer? Why don't you talk about that? Oh, the Shazam trailer. I think, did we talk about that before? Maybe that was on a different show. Well, if you guys want to hear all the upcoming news and events of movies in your life, there's a special episode of Never Been Done Podcast, CBS's and mine's other podcast, where we talk about just strictly movies. So It's a little more sweary, so depending on what you like. So if you um, uh, have kids in the car, definitely don't listen to it. But. <laughs> right. Um, but we go in pretty big depth about... All the upcoming movies, not not even ones that even aren't comic book related, like all the different trailers and upcoming stuff. So, no, we do talk about new movies and directors and stuff. That's most of what that show's about, film and whatnot. But that Shazam, Shazam trailer is great. Looks yeah. super fun, no doubt. Like it's yeah, the Shazam trailer super fun. Um, like I've told you before, I think that the DC universe that's what they're missing. They need an Ant Man. They need like a bo- a movie that's just kind of. More fun, fun and enjoyable, and it doesn't. It does connect to everything, kind of, but it doesn't have to. Like it's just enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I can. I can. I can feel that. I guess with the way the last couple of batch 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 movies has worked, I'm really hoping that they decide to pick up Mr. James Gunn because if we had James Gunn Suicide Squad, that stuff would be awesome. No, James Gunn needs to do something cooler than that. Mm, I'm just saying. Justice League Dark. 
No, they're not going to do Justice League Dark. They should. It'd be cool if they that, did. But that was a rumor that series. they were going to do that movie. Well, Guillermo del Toro wanted to do it, and then uh, they decided that they weren't going to go through with it, which that would have been awesome because that dude does scary, like, monstery things awesome. So a movie directed by him would be great. And the actor that played uh, Constantine in the TV show. Oh, yeah, he's I awesome. Was fantastic. Yeah, so. he's great. So, like, they have all, they had at least part of the elements there to do it, and then they shut down Del Toro. Then he went and made The Shape of Water and won a whole bunch of awards, and I bet you somebody feels stupid at the office. Bunch of morons. Not to say it can't be done still. No, I'm not, I'm not saying it can't, but I think that's both sold for him. I mean, I guess we'll see, but, you know, that's what I would say. I wouldn't go back and do it if they came to me now and were like, hey, yeah, you remember how you wanted money? I'd tell them to go eat it. But I'm spiteful, so whatever. You know. Yep, you burn every bridge. That's not true. Even the ones that you haven't crossed yet. Well, they're easier to do when you're at the beginning of them. Exactly. (laughs) And then I never get anywhere. Whatever. That's not true. That's not, that's not true. Anyhow, okay, so news is that it. That's all we got. It's pretty much, yeah. Some interesting stuff in football. Mm. But that, the football starts next week, so we'll wait till then. Do a little bit of, I try to include it. I know most people are listeners. Some, there's plenty of us that will play football. Like a couple years ago, we did a fantasy league through the show. That was fun. I just do the thing where I just draft like five quarterbacks. So then if somebody <laughs> needs one, then they have to come to me and trade me. It seems like such a bad idea. I guess we'll see how it goes this year. We'll try to keep you guys updated. Well, on I, I, I'm six such, quarterback team. I heard on one of my leagues, I, like two, Two players I drafted have already gone on either IR or been cut by their team. So my streak continues. <laughs> so you just pick quarterbacks to try to ruin other teams. No, just my players in general. Oh. Mm. I have to pick that many quarterbacks because most of the time they break their knees when I draft them. <laughs> that only happened twice. That's happened Once? like every year. Like an actual broken knee? Every single, not <laughs> just a knee, just something. Right. <laughs> Silly. All right, um, let's move on to books. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Uh, so we'll start with X-23 number two. It's a weird sentence. Uh, for those who don't know, X-23, which you should know, X-23 is Laura Kenny, which is the clone of Wolverine. And since then, she has found other clones of herself and currently is running around with a sidekick named Gabby, who is a clone of her. Similar powers, just younger. And she named herself Honey Badger. And she has a pet badger? She does. She has a lots of Wolverine. She has a pet Wolverine. But yeah, it, as a thing, it's, a, it, it's, it's hilarious. That all, that stuff happened in the all new Wolverine series. So this just carries forward from there progression wise. Um, so the writer of this issue is, uh, Mariko Tamaki. And the artist is, uh, Juan Kebble. Cable, Cable, C A B A L. So if I said it wrong, Cabal. Cool, that works. Uh, Art-wise, I, I like it. I think the, I think the art's good. I can dig it. Uh, where the book picks up, we start out with like we're basically hearing of what the voice inside Laura's head and like her reviewing things that have happened and how it's different to be a clone or to be a mutant or both or to be a clone of a clone. And there's another set of clones we've had dealings with in the past that are the Cuckoos. So the, uh, basically like Emma, young Emma Frost. I mean, they're not Emma's clones, but the Cuckoos used to be five. Two of them got dead. And now there was three. 
And like the way the story picks up, we are in process with the, the cuckoos gathering all their things and leaving the uh, the excess state, like never come back style. And something happened in the previous issue uh, that has all to do with cloning. So while they're leaving, one of the, one of them keeps talking about something being wrong, and the other two are like, "It doesn't matter. It's all fine. Let's we just need to get to the other to to the other two so we can be five. And pretty quickly, we see that one of them is now like a skeleton husk. And the other one is aging rapidly and looks really kind of gross. Um, the previous issue, they kidnapped a scientist that was partially responsible for the cloning of Laura in the first place and uh, hijacked her to resurrect their dead sisters, which sounds crazy. I mean, it, I mean, it is crazy. Anyhow, so when we join the book after the uh, setup for the what's happening... Laura wakes up in bed and it's Gabby jumping at her with, with, with the, maybe, no, it's a Wolverine. Jumping with the Wolverine into her bed, like, a, like aggressive kid attack style, screaming about pancakes and how she wants pancakes for breakfast and Laura needs to get up. And then Laura th- tells her, you know, one of these mornings you're going to do that and I'm going to stab you in the face. And she tells her, well, you know, the healing factor, I'll be fine. I'll still want pancakes. So next thing we see is her at the dinner table with a huge stack of pancakes. Um, and, of course, the, the Wolverine's there also. His name is Nathan, and he has his own food bowl on the table, which is hilarious. And she talks about how uh, she can't understand how normal people work, because normal people can't possibly eat these many pancakes if they don't have a height of metabolism. And Laura's like, I'm pretty sure normal people eat pancakes, too. And from there, the discussion turns to something in the previous issue that came up, the idea of Laura having a birthday. And so this is like the humanizing aspect for her. We go over that for a while, and Laura tells... Gabby that she has a lead to follow up that she got from Hank about the missing doctor and that the Gabby needs to stay home practice her nunchucks and away Laura goes from there we join the cuckoos and they have uh, collected the other sister and as far as like moving around like they're being very secretive and like sneaky Laura we fast forward a little bit Laura winds up being at the uh, the doctor's office and decides she's going to investigate the missing doctor's um, I guess her office and that leads her to finding out that the doctor was wearing like a fit tracker, like one of those running watch things, and it has a tracking notice in it. And so she uses the tracking notice and figures that the ladies run off to, well, not run off, is Loki. She finds a beacon, like a, a map tracker thing. Gosh, ultimately leads her to a church. But when she finds it, she's like a dot on a map, just like when you use Google and tell where to go. Anyhow, so she goes there and... uh while she's there, she enters the, the like abandoned church, and she automatically realizes she smells death. And from there, she's confronted with uh, with Gabby, kind of out of nowhere. And she's like, "What are you doing here? Why are you here?" And she says, "Well, you called me." And of course, Laura didn't call her. And the next thing you know, there's the cuckoos, and that kind of turns into battle that results mostly in the cuckoos kidnapping Gabby, and that's. There's some other ground in there we didn't cover, but uh, yeah, the end all be all by the end of the issue, Gabby's been kidnapped and the cuckoos have her, and uh, you have to assume that that's not for any good measures or reasons, because at this point, pretty sure they're still in here to use her as science project in order to try to fix the other sister, probably. Uh, as far as story, I mean, it's interesting. I think it's neat. I like the interaction with Gabby and Laura. I think that's pretty, I know, I think it's funny. Just because Gabby's so crazy. 
And, like, having the Wolverine powers, of course, I mean, that also helps with the situation, I guess. Anyhow, uh, score-wise, I, mean, I give it a three and a half. I mean, I thought the story was fun. Series-wise, we're, we're getting places. So, as far as the setup for the book, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought it was neat. I like all the weird interaction, this, like, sister play stuff that's going on and trying to force Laura to pick a birthday. Like, stuff that humanizes her a little more than other series have. I mean, we got some, we got a lot of that in the all new, all new Wolverine too, just because of the connection to Gabby when it first happened. But I think it's neat so far. That's pretty much it. That's what I got. Love the art. I thought it was great. Uh, Josh, what'd you think of the, uh, X-23? Um, uh, I get like a two and a half. I mean, it was, it was like mediocrely written. I mean, just like going clone crazy. I think I'm like oh, kind of over clones to an extent. Like the cuckoos are clones and she's clones and Spider-Man's clones and everybody's a clone. Just like, ugh. <laughs> I come up with something cooler. Well, this, this is this is very clone heavy, but that's something that these particular characters have in common. Like the Spider-Man stuff doesn't have anything to do with any of this. And I'm not really too, it's like, oh no, somebody with like mutant healing powers got kidnapped. It's like, what are they gonna do killer? She's got mutant healing powers. Well, that's a good point, but they did steal a kid, which is pretty messed up. I mean, as long as the the badger or the wolverine or whatever, the honey badger pet is okay, then I'm fine. That's kind of where I'm at with it. <laughs> it's like the only character in there that I was like really genuinely worried about. But if he's still at home, then that's fine with me. So well, it looks like she left Nathan at home because he wasn't with them. So I guess he'll be fine. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. Well, you are an animal lover, so I guess there's that. Especially if it's like a honey badger crazy. or a wolverine or whatever. Cr- kinda... Crazy nonsense. I do like how in there, whenever she breaks the lamp with the nunchucks, she's like, you better clean that up. She's like, wolverines don't clean things. Because they don't. I mean, have you ever seen wolverine clean up a mess? I mean, with his claws or his fists. I uh, thought that was hilarious. So when you see his bedrooms and places and stuff, they're very like militaristic, like... Clean and neat and organized, so there's that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with when he messes stuff up, it doesn't get cleaned. But that's a good point in the movies that is fairly uniform, unless he's with a prostitute. Which only happened in one of the movies, so I mean, whatever. Hey, he's a military man, that's true. There you go. Yeah. So I guess maybe there's something to be said about that. I thought it was hilarious, but whatever. Alright, we move on to the uh, Suicide Squad. Number forty-five. All right, so we're so when we pick up here series-wise, this is the starting of a a crossover. Just so you guys know, so the first part, it, the storyline is going to be Sync Atlantis is the name of it, and uh, this this particular issue is chapter one. Then it pops back to Aquaman, then back and forth till it's over. Um, as far as stories are concerned, this guy is uh, written by Rob Williams and uh, Dan Abnett. And the script is by Rob, well, so Rob and Dan both wrote the book. Uh, Will did the script, I think. Dan probably outlined it. Um, anyway, uh, art is by Jose Luis. And then there's a whole slew of uh, inkers and colorists and whatnot on it. So you guys are awesome, but I'm not going to try to say all your names. Anyway, so when this book picks up, we're in the process of a bunch of other things happening over in the Aquaman book. And one of those things is Mira being being uh, coronated as the Queen of Atlantis. And that's kind of where we start. And 
there's been a couple of things that have happened from other books that caused them to happen. So like Atlantis has been raised to the surface because of an event that happened during Batman Dark Nights. So something that happened to Aquaman actually caused it to magically raise Atlantis to the, uh, to the surface. And this is during the Dark Knights Metal. So this is like Fallout from Metal still. Anyways, where the story should, where, where the issue starts out, we've got a Mira basically standing up there talking to one of her advisors about how they know the world feels threatened with them just basically rising up in the middle of the ocean right next to America and how she's worried about different political states ahead, state heads and how they're going to handle or deal with the situation. And, uh, of course her day, this today is her coronation. So like it's a big kind of event day for her. And she wonders if Aquaman's going to be there or not. And then from there, we basically cut to Aquaman, and he's talking to Volko about how he's not going for a lot of reasons. The people are wanting to see their new queen. They're not wanting to see a failed king. And he's still mix, mixed up from other things that have happened. And other stuff that's happened in Justice League, I think, is affecting him at this point, too. Uh, from there, we cut away to Washington, D.C., where we have, of course, a whole bunch of uh, political faces talking about how this should be an act of war and we need to bomb the hell out of Atlantis, blah, blah, blah. And that goes on for a little while. And then, of course, we have Amanda Walters, one of the people in the room, which is what leads us to the Suicide Squad. And Amanda is tasked by one of the military generals that, to make Atlantis not be on the surface anymore. And that's what leads us to the Suicide Squad. In this particular outing, we're taking Carly Quinn, uh, Deadshot, and uh, Killer Croc, and they add a couple new faces because of something that happened in a previous book that binged a couple of the other characters. Uh, one of them is uh, Lord Satanin. I think that's how you're supposed to say it. Mm-hmm. Santis. San- it's S-A-T-A-N-I-S. Santis? Satanis. Satanis, that's how you say it. Okay. Anyway, Harley Quinn makes fun of him for being Satananus, which is I think I thought was funny. But, of course, apparently most of these books I think are funny. Uh, anyhow, so like he's one of them, and of course, the way he looks is like I don't know, like an old school knight almost, but with the crazy red and blue colors. Like, I don't know if it's like ever... a Magneto ripoff costume. Kind of. I mean, his mask is like straight up like old school King Arthur knight style, but the rest of it, yeah, is it. I don't know if we've ever seen him before or not. Like I don't have a memory of him from before this. Uh, we meet him, and then we meet Master Jailer, who's going to break them into the facility they're going to. And, of course, she informs them that just like every time you send you out, if you get caught, well, we'll just kill you. And that's pretty much how Suicide Squad works. Anyway, so uh, from there, they get attached to their mission to go, and they're trying to figure out how they're going to get into Atlantis. And Satanus has the ability to control inanimate dead an- objects or animals or ma- mammals. That's what he says, mammals. And so he basically takes a dead... Um, whale. Whale, and they all get into the mouth and ride into Atlantis because ocean life can do whatever they want, apparently. Of course, this is the part that's in the, in the water because they're supposed to be going to put this magical bomb that will sink Atlantis because it'll change the spell that raised it, according to Amanda Waller. Which, you know, must not be so totally true. Uh, anyhow, we get a cut from there to the uh, actual ceremony with uh, Mira and like, it's a pretty cool-looking event. I mean, the art, I think, I don't know, I like her outfit. I think it's great. It's a really cool-looking, like, dress thing for the situation. Uh, we get a cameo in the book with Dolphin, which we haven't seen her in a fair minute, but she's one of the ones hanging out with Aquaman down down in the water because he feels like there are places to make sure nothing bad goes, happens. 
Anyway, there's some more conversation in there. So a lot of pieces that, I mean, book-wise, you're not getting from me explaining things that happened. The Suicide Squad meet their, like, person from Atlantis that's supposed to help them do this magical bomb thing. In the process of that, Deadshot winds up seeing that there's a whole bunch of people that are living in hiding because they're they're afraid of the surface world and don't want to be part of the surface world, which is why they're here to try to help them seek Atlantis because they want the world to stay as it is because they don't the up, up the surface world scares them and they don't feel like they're being included in this move along forward with the rest of Atlantis. And he sees there's a bunch of women and children and kids and like one of his few rules is he doesn't kill kids. So he starts wondering about this bomb they began been given by Amanda, and in the process of that, he basically takes the bomb and starts to look inside of it and sees it's a nuke. And uh, Deadpool's not dead. Shot is not okay with killing kids. Ooh, I know, right? Well, they're the same guy. <laughs> Deathstroke, they're all the same guy. Not really. I mean, they are kind of the same guy. But yeah, that's com- completely across the line that he's okay with. And uh, in the process of that, like. Satanus sort of starts to turn on him, and that's kind of where things wrap. As far as like detrimental, he basically just set off the bomb, is way the way it looks, unintentionally, mind you. But what that really means is that a man was going to let them all burn. So, I guess good luck with that. Uh, as far as that means, part one of a, I want to say it was a five or five part miniseries. The crossover is because I think it goes Suicide Squad. Aquaman, Suicide Squad, Aquaman, Suicide Squad, and then ends. I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on that because I don't remember if it's five or four. But anyway, it's a crossword between the two books. Uh, Score-wise, you know, I give it a three. I, th- I thought it was fun. I like the art. Uh, there's some funny, like, just Harley Quinn-type jokes. I mean, she's not as funny as other characters, depending on who's writing it. But as far as characters are concerned, I thought that all fit well. I mean, I like that the line was, draw my dead shot, and if, when he's the voice of reason in your group, it's kind of questionable. But yeah, I give it a three. Uh, that's it. Uh, Josh, what do you think? Uh, I struggle with Suicide Squad, because I, um, before we started recording, I was telling you that I just don't like Harley Quinn. I don't like... The guys that I do like weren't in it this time. Killer Croc was crying and like being all weird and sad guy. That's kind of something happened in the previous issue. Yeah, but I, he's I don't care. <laughs> well, I, he's he's a big monster guy, so him being sad doesn't really. It's like Satanus was weak. Like uh, the Jailer was weak. I don't know. I know they're supposed to be like kind of be characters and stuff, but. Trying to make Harley Quinn this big face of the DC comic universe is just kind of weird to me because I don't I I think she's boring. I don't think there's much to her. There's not much depth. Um, but I give it like a two. The story's kind of weak. I'm not a big Aquaman universe fan either. They're like the bottom rung of my DC barrel. So, um, you're predisposed to already have a dislike for this book. I understand that. Right. So it's just kind of the fact that they're crossing over. Like I would. If you like either thing, you'll probably be into it, but if you don't then Yeah, if you're not a if you're not a fan of either group of characters, of course you wouldn't get the book probably. <laughs> Sorry, I just No, that's fine. I, yeah, I know. I know when I hand oh, it to I'm you. Aquaman. Bruh. It's because you haven't read the Jeff John stuff. That's why. It doesn't matter who was no, written by. No, it does. It, it does. Doesn't. It does. I guarantee it does. I'm sure, but that's I... what you're getting for Christmas. 
Aquaman Volume 1, Jeff Johns. Going straight on eBay. That hurts me inside. It's going to be digital then. Take that. (laughs) Sucker. We'll sell it under your name. You can't sell the digital ones. We already know that Mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. That's not how it works. I'll get one of those things that Tyler has. So it changes my ISBN. It won't matter. Digital code-wise, it's not the same thing. So I'm going to buy it for you as a digital. Uh That way you get an email link that's the digital link. So physically, I can't make you read it. I mean, I like Jeff Johns, but I'm yeah, whatever. Anyway, all right, let's move on to Weatherman number two. You want to tell me a story about Weatherman? Weatherman number two. Um, this is from Image Comics for everybody listening. So it's it's uh, the creative team is Jody Lahoop Lahoop H L E H E U P La La. Yep. <laughs> Nathan Fox it. and Dave Stewart. Um, it kind of starts out on Mars, and they're this big, massive group of people having a Earth, an Earthen memorial. And uh, the president of Mars is talking about how they're going to do everything they can to um, fix and like get back and find the people who like did this massive terrible thing and then coming to find out that it was this group of people destroyed earth and killed 18 billion people. Right. So the terrorists that took out earth, we're going to get them. We're going to get them everybody. So where the, where the people and Venus and Mars, all everyone lost family right? and friends and relatives and this and that. And then it switches to a, like she seems to be some sort of like covert agent and she's like, I'm coming in and it pans to, um, a satellite uh, floating above Martian Martian space, and she's beating the crap, or they are, of this guy. Just like opens up, and they're just beating him up horribly. And then he asks where his dog is at, and they hand him his dog and wrap it around his body, and his dog's missing its face, like they cut its face off, which is super sad. Like that, it's pretty brutal. Like I'll go into it. Like I love. I thought this book was fantastic, but that made me angry like just leave animals out of it man like no, this makes me, this makes me want to hurt people it's probably the whole reason that that's in there so anyway then it go, then it goes and uh the director comes in and asks about you know ask her how's it's going and everything and he's like tells her what's going on and like who they're looking for and then he goes into another room and they drag him in there and they read the guy's mind and they're like he's telling the truth he doesn't know anything so he just got the crap beat out of him for no reason, basically. It's the way it appears. Uh, Anna starts talking to the covert agent who was beating him up. She, like, they're, the guy's talking back and forth with her, and he's being explained to that he used to be a, a uh, really amazing black ops soldier, and he decided he wanted to change his life because he didn't want to do it anymore after Earth was destroyed, so he had his mind wiped. Like uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind style. And in theory, he's got no memory prior to the event happening. And well, prior to getting his mind wiped. Right. So he like the Earth being destroyed and all stuff, and and now he's just a weatherman, and uh, he just likes to stare up at the sky. That's what he's and just be peaceful. And um, then she gets called into the big boss's office and. Gets yelled at because they need him alive. They can't have him killed. Right. Because he, he's the key to try to find out because 
this group of people who destroy the Earth want to finish the job, and they want to destroy Venus and Mars as well with this weapon called the Sword of God. Right, Sword of God's like a terrorist organization. And apparently who he was before was a member of this group after his whole, like, time as a mercenary type working for the American government for the Earth. Um they were disbanded, and so all those group basically went to the four winds doing whatever mer- mercenary for hire. And somewhere in there, he became part of this sort of god group, I guess. I thought they called the weapon the sort of god. Mm-hmm. And the group was called something else, but anyway. Oh, maybe. But yeah, the reason he looks the way he looks is because he went and had, like, plastic surgery done, had his brain wiped, and now here he is with no memory of anything else. And the director is pretty positive that they, they'll need him to unsort it. And, like, the reason he's so pissed at the red-headed agent lady is because she's super brutal. I mean, the dog thing is out of control. And that's what he's basically at her about. He's like, yeah, there's two versions of you. There's a version of you that has her her crap in control, and there's this version of you that's just crazy. Which one am I talking to? Like, dialogue-wise, they have some pretty good dialogue between them. But, yeah, it's basically she's just out of control at this point. So then... She really realizes that she was in the wrong, and she goes to get him and was walking around having a chat. And then all of a sudden, the satellite gets becomes under attack by this really cool-looking ship. It's like a, a futuristic version of a World War II fighter plane. It's got, like, the shark mouth or the tiger the mouth tiger on it. tiger shark mouth on yeah. it, yeah. Which I think is super badass. Oh, we probably should mention this earlier. So Weatherman takes place, like, in the, way, way in 20, the future. They say at the beginning, 20-something crazy yeah i can't, I can't remember where it's at in there but yeah it it says that the, it's it's gen it's generations down the road and we've all explored it into space and that's why there's colonies on mars and colonies on venus and they basically work like the how our countries work now except that they're all just earthlings so different type world but yeah the base comes under attack and go and there is a, they're getting ready to all start evacuating and the boss guy's like, get him, get him out of here, get him out of here. We have, we'll meet the rendezvous point. And then as in, they're in the escape hatch and they're looking in, um, a, one of the secretaries opens up her jacket and there's a bomb and she just says, um, what's her word? She said, save us from ourselves. So she's part of this other group who, that's what they keep saying that we're going to save us from ourselves. And opens it up and blows up the space station is the the red-headed covert operative and the mind-wiped gentleman escape. So hopefully they can figure it out. But oh, that is a really, really cool book. So I will I'm gonna pick up the next one because I was a big fan of it. I really liked the art. I really liked the writing. I liked just everything about it. It was cool. So... You gonna score for that book there, Josh? Could have four and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very impressed. Cool. Like you said, the words out of your mouth were when you were, we were picking books. You said um, they're kind of hard to understand because they're like this and that. And I'm like, well, why am I going to read it? And you're like, well, because it stands alone on its own, whether it's good or not. And this book, compared to the other one that I read that I quit reading that we're not doing today. <laughs> wasn't very good and I was very lost and had nothing and no clue what was going on. Well, admittedly, that one's at issue 15 and you never read any of it, so. Alright, but this one was excellent. Yeah. Alright. 
The score wise, I, I give it a three. I mean, it, it, the writing's, the writing is strong and the premise is a pretty, is a cool setup. As far as like a thing in general, the art is kind of wild, but awesome. Like it's very dynamic. Uh, story wise, it's an interesting story. The characters are understandable. And even if you didn't read number one, you get a lot in this one ground wise. I think if you were to start at three, you'd probably be super lost considering like at this point we've had a whole bunch of bodies drop and, it turns out that some of these terrorists are mixing the government pretty good because the secretary lady was like the assistant to the president that was doing the speech down on the planet. So, like, how deep this conspiracy goes is pretty questionable. It was pretty brutal with the dog and pretty brutal the way they were beating him up. But, yeah, that part was pretty rough. Yeah, no, I, I give it a three. I give, it was pretty good. I'm interested to see more of it. I mean, I don't think it's getting the play it should in the world because it's, it's a newer book from Image, but... Man, I don't know. I dig it. I thought it was cool. Named Weatherman because now he's the Weatherman. Right. Anyhow. So, uh, let's see. From there, we'll move on to X-Men Blue. This is number uh, 32. X-Men Blue is the book with the time travel, the first classers, uh, if, if you've never heard of the title before. So, basically, we had an event happen where we... Time traveled, Jean Grey, Cyclops, um, Iceman, Beast before he was ever Blue, and Archangel before he was ever Arc, to modern time. And they've been running around having adventures and doing things, trying not to get dead. And in theory, eventually back home, maybe. Uh, so like book-wise, what we got going on here, writer's Colin Bunn. Uh, the artist is Andres Gild... I don't know how to say that. Gindlet? Gindlet? It's... G-E-N-D-L-E-T, Gimlet, I think. is that, I don't know, That's as close as I can get it. I'm sorry if that's wrong. Fantastic art, though, so keep doing it because you're awesome. Uh, the way the book opens up, we open up a flashback where it says then, and it's basically Magneto, classic colors. Uh, even the art, the way it's colored, is kind of awesome because it's done with those little, a lot of little dots to outline the style of being old art. The art's not old, but the way it's colored is like an old style. And uh, it's him fighting X-Men. And we have him in the classic costumes and Beast and everybody we just mentioned a minute ago is there. And they're all taking turns trying to keep each other from getting blown up. Then we cut from there to modern times. So now. And uh, we're basically in the same scenario where it's the team fighting Magneto. But they're all in their new current X-Men blue costumes, which are totally modern. And Magneto's got a newer costume, too. It's more purple and, well... He's always purple and red, I guess, but it's a new style for the costume. And uh, he's in the process of destroying everything. And uh, so uh, he's basically messed up the entire street. And what he's there for is he's after the White Queen, and the kids are there to protect her. Uh, previous event, they had another battle where they, she wound up helping them. So at this point, they've decided she's... Well, at this point, she's not really a villain anymore either. Like She's gone through a whole path in life, so she's not... Technically a villain. Anyhow, Magneto is freaking out about killing her because he's seen the future and, um, she needs to be dead in order to keep that future from happening. And of course, as he's yelling at the kids, like Jean Grey's like, well, we're from, this is our, this is the future to us. So we already know that things can change because we've seen them change. So the future's not set. It's like that whole Terminator thing. And he's like, yeah, you don't understand. And that just basically leads to battle. And in the process, I mean, he's got, People picked up in the air, he's throwing giant beams everywhere, still girders, and anything metal is just being hurled at the White Queen and the X-Men 
proxy. Uh, in the process of that, he winds up uh, getting a bar wrapped around Emma's throat. Uh, currently, Emma is in her diamond form, so she's not chokeable. But he, she even says that to him, and he's like, yeah, I'm not trying to check, choke you. I'm trying to break you. And at that point, she starts seeing her skin crack. And in theory, just like a diamond, if you shattered it, she, in theory, would shatter. So Iceman's trying to help her, and of course Iceman gets knocked out. And in the process of that, like, Gene and Beast are both talk, talk for a second, and Beast tells her, you just got to find his weakness. You know he can find a weakness. And so she does that as everyone else sort of distracts him. And uh, after she finds a weakness, she tells Scott to fire his blast and she'll direct it. And of course she does, and that takes him out. And they're all like, okay, well now Magneto's down, like, what do we do with him? And uh, Emma tells him, he's not out, because I'm still being choked. So from there, Jean develops another plan, and she calls one of the Bamps, the little, like, demon nightcrawlers, and she it teleports away Emma. And not, all of a sudden, Magneto goes from, like, well, he was pissed already, but he went super pissed, because he's like, you beat me with a trick? A trick? And that turns to him trying to kill the X-Men, which, at this point, it's not the same as when they were all young. When they were all young, he was trying to kill them because they were causing problems with his what he was trying to do. And currently, he is hyped up on the mutant like super serum thing that makes you crazy anyway. But in the process of this, he's not trying to wipe, wipe them out anymore because he knows that they're needed. Like they they serve a purpose. But it has caused mutant deaths, and in the future, causes way more. And so that's why he wants her. Anyway, basically, the battle comes down to a line where Gene tells him he she won't quit and he should know that because she sacrificed herself before and this is kid jean and she's seen all the memories of everyone else of her dying multiple times and from there magneto's like no you're not going to sacrifice yourself for me for this i won't be responsible for killing you and he basically powers down and tells her you know if we keep battling we'll both die because you won't stop and i won't stop so later and basically takes off and then we regroup later with Emma out in the woods at a cabin, and she's like, "I can't, I can't stay here. Magneto will find me eventually." And she, they're like, "Well, maybe you should wait till at least you're healed." And uh, Jean tells him, "Even though whatever he saw in the future was bad, both of you are needed for the X Men to work. So at some point, we're going to be going home. Once we go home, the world's going to need both of you. So yeah, clean up your act." And that's kind of where it ends. Uh, the next chapter is going to be chapter three in the story. This is chapter two in the story. So the piece right before this introduces why they're projecting her in the first place, Emma. Uh, but yeah, as far as the story, I know it was neat. I mean, I, I like the time travel kids. I'll give you, I didn't expect them to be around still. I thought by now we would have sent them back home. But I kind of think the event Extinction is going to do that. And it started real recently, but I, I haven't got to read any of it yet. But I expect them to send them back in that book probably. Because X-Men Blue has got one more issue, I think, before it ends. Number 33, I think, is the end of it. So, issue-wise, they're wrapping that one up. They're going to wrap up Gold. And then we're going to have uh, this miniseries Black happen, which is like villain one-shots. From there, we get a relaunch of the Uncanny X-Men. So, that happens, I think, November. So, that should be interesting stuff as far as books coming out. Um, but score-wise, I'm going to give it three and a half. I thought it was entertaining. I like the art. I like the casts because I dig them. I think they're awesome. Just as a thing in general, uh, like I said, I didn't expect the kids to be around this long, but I don't know, I dig them the way they are. And as far as like a thing, we get this different version of Beast, because like in this version of time, he decided to explore magic instead of 
science, which leads a totally different path. And as far as like returning him back to the old time, in theory, once they return, we all expect Professor X to wipe their brains. So getting this version of him is very different. I thought that was pretty neat. And even actually all of them are kind of different, but interesting. Anyhow, uh, so yeah, I give it three and a half. I thought it was cool. I like the kids. I agree with you. I think the art's fantastic. Um, it's better than the issue before. Like the issue. 31? Yeah, the issue two before. Like the, it was kind of, those issues were a little like fuzzy and kind of like, like darker and like hard to see. A lot of things like it wasn't like clear, but like whoever the, this artist is, who is it again? Um, I can Andres Gendlet. Like he, yeah. I really like his style a lot. It's kind of like a, it's like maybe he kind of was um, influenced by Humberto Ramos a little bit almost. Maybe. I can see some of the action little, stuff looking that way, bit, yeah. Like the eyes and the, just like the, the mouths and I don't know, just, it's, it's really cool. It's really clean. Um, yeah, interesting to see where the story goes, like what he's going to do with this, because it's, it's good to see Magneto as a big, big villain again, because he's like kind of been on the X-Men off and on and kind of anti-hero good guy for a little bit so yeah well even this he's not necessarily villain villain I mean I don't know he's he's always kind of he's very sinestro like or Doctor Doom like they I don't know they fit in a weird place in the world because even though when he's in the old days where he's just destroy all humans it was for a reason I mean yeah it was the wrong reason but whatever and then modern stuff while there's still that piece there, yeah, he's been, he spent more time lately on X-Men teams than he has been a problem for the X-Men teams. So that's been interesting. Right. All right. Oh, uh, let's see. So from there, we move on to Teen Titans number 20. This is the, uh, starting point for the new team for, cause they had a, we had an event happen over in DC that was called No Justice. No Justice took all the teams and kind of mashed them together and did different things with them. This is the first issue following that for the Teen Titans. Want to tell me about the Teen Titans there, Josh? All right, Teen Titans. So it is written by Adam Glass, artist is Bernard Chang, um, and the colorist is Marcelo Maidlo. And uh, it starts out with a big underground religious cavern with a platform and it looks like they're getting ready to sacrifice somebody kind of like Indiana Jones Temple of Doom style. It is a little bit. And, it's, and it's, uh, brother voodoo is getting ready to brother, brother blood or brother blood. Yeah. Um, is getting ready to sacrifice a woman of some sort. I don't think she does never say no, she's just, a random chick. Yeah. Just a random, uh, person. And then all of a sudden the, uh, Teen Titans burst in, and the new team consists of uh, Robin, Damian Robin, Damian yeah. Robin, um, son of Batman, <laughs> Lobo's daughter, which is uh, what's her name? Uh, Crush. Crush, and then you have um, the, some of these are new characters to me, so bear with me here. But Kid, it, Kid Flash, Kid Flash, the other Wally West, yeah, Wallace West, Wallace, yeah. Um, this little genie girl. Yeah, she's. I think she's brand new because I don't remember seeing her ever before. And then the new female Red Arrow. Right. She's new too. I don't. Like, again, I don't know if she showed up someplace before this or not. 
Jin was her name. The genie girl, the magic one. Yeah. Yeah. And She's a genie. Another new character who's good, was friends with Kid Flash and he likes to call himself Roundhouse. The human wrecking ball. Yeah. Which he's, is pretty much what he is. He's, he's blue. Kind of looks, if you guys know Legion of Superheroes, he kind of looks like Bouncing Boy. And he has a similar power, but yeah, he's, it's not the same character, at least from what we can tell now, unless it turns out to be a Legionnaire from the future, which would be kind of cool. Sorry, go on. So they, Teen Titans seek and destroy as Robin's, uh, his, uh, his, round, his rally command. And so he's telling the story, basically it's kind of like this fight goes on as Robin's telling the story of how he collects the whole team. And it starts with Kid Flash and he's at some Dance Dance Revolution game and he's like trying to convince him to join. He's like, okay, let me think about it. And then he plays Dance Dance Revolution real quick. And then he's like, okay, I thought about it, but under one condition, I I get to have more say and I I get to bring somebody on board, which later on we'll find out it's a wrecking ball. Yep. And then it shows Kid Flash like running around and doing his thing and uh, also taking selfies while he's at it. And then an arrow gets shot through his phone. And he's like, what the heck? And it's right arrow. And she's like, you're not concentrating enough. You need to pay more attention. And he's like, are you going to pay for my phone? <laughs> and then uh, it, it goes to her story, which is like, I don't want to be in your kid's club, Robin. Like, you need to leave me alone. He's like, well, hey, I know these things and I can help you with it. So he's like, she's like, fine, I'll join. And Robin trusts her because he thinks that something must happen to him that she could leave the team still because she's got the same killer instinct as he has, I think. Yeah, Damien took, got taken so out. He, then. he feels like they're like the same, different sides of the same coin almost. Yep. So then he, she shoots an arrow at, uh, Brother Blood and he catches it because he's some sort of vampire kind of person. So he's got special powers. Yeah, but he's, kinda he's weird magic. Yeah, he's a, yeah. Well, she, he bites next, so he is a yeah. vampire of some sort. At this point, I guess so. Like, there's been some weird, there's, there's been a lot of weird stuff that's happened with him. But, but the, yeah. The arrow that he, that he, that she shoots, he catches it and she kind of figured that he would, so it electrocutes him. And then, um, as they're fighting along, it flashes to, um, Lobo's daughter named Crush and she's just beating people up and then, um, she picks up the human wrecking ball kid and he's like, I think you should throw me because she's got super strength. Right. And so she chucks him like a bowling ball and starts knocking a bunch of people over. And then she just keeps going crazy. And some, one of the priests hits her with a crowbar and it just bends over the, over her head. She punches him real hard and sends him flying. And the kid flash comes and saves the day, pulls Robin and red arrow out of the way. So then it goes to the human wrecking ball story and it's, uh, Hey, this is kid flashes. This is the kid that I wanted on the team. And he's got a really cool, uh, view tube channel. And they're like, really? Are you serious? That's what you, why you picked him because of a view tube channel. And then it, uh, flashes to crush trying to break through this force field. It's like anything can be broken if you hit it hard enough, <laughs> but it's a force field, not like a wall. So. And they're like, oh, that must be, um, Jin has put up a barricade. And they're like, why is that? And she's fighting Brother Blood and he bites her. And then she's like, psych, what you do? Nothing you do to me. I'm way more powerful than that. And starts messing him up pretty bad. And all of a sudden she just quits and she's like, oh, I'm using too much power. He'll find me. He'll find me. He'll find me. And Brother Blood's like, what the heck's going on? Why did you, who will find you? What are you scared of? 
I need to know. And uh, all of a sudden, Roundhouse comes in, just like, and saves the day, knocks him down. And then Robin comes in and Kid Flash, and they take him out. And they're like, all right, let's get him out of here. And before, you know, he wakes up. And then it, it kind of shows Jin's story about she's got like a bunch of stray animals that she's been taking care of. And she's all telling Robin, you don't know who I am or where I came from. He's like, well, if you care about animals so much, you obviously have a good heart. So I think it'd be good for you to be with us. And then, uh, they're all standing around talking and they see a mark on the wall of the, this thing that Robin's been looking for called the other. Right. Which somehow that's connected to, uh, the red, the red arrow character also. That, and that's how he convinced her to join. Yeah. Cause it killed somebody that she knew. At least that's what, what he leaves her to believe. But yeah, it's something that I, I've never heard of before. So whoever this other villain is, is something I think is new. But then it's like, did you get all of his financial records and all this and that and that? And there's like shows of like, um, like a flash drive. Yeah, the flash drive. So they're like, they got, they did, they're basically taking him out. On every level, not just like they're not going to just arrest him and put him in Arkham and then right. they blow up the building. <laughs> oh yeah, the whole like temple thing. They, yeah, it's completely like, nuke it. It's like sweet. It's just like a silhouette of them walking away and like Robin's hand in the air pushing the button. That's pretty sweet. And then uh, there it shows them all hanging out, kind of relaxing at this place called Mercy Hall in Brooklyn, New York, that used to be as one of a uh, Batman's safe houses. And uh, Robin made it seem like it had been. Like there's some compromise, so yeah. He, so, like, but Robin's the one that did it, so that they could have a base. Right. So Batman wrote it off as a thing because it was compromised or something. Something was wrong with the building, and Damien's like, "But I made that." <laughs> so then, like, they're all hanging out and like joking around and messing around, and Crush is like picking up the couch and getting ready to throw it because the guys are harassing her. And then all of a sudden, it sh- except Robin, Robin's not there, and uh, Jin's like, "Robin wouldn't like this." And then it shows Robin going down some elevator shaft. With Brother Blood and opening some massive vault. And, uh, he's like talking about how it used to be a juvenile hall. So like a juvenile detention center. So it used, it's got already had potential to be a prison of some sort. And he's like, I'm tired of the in and out, um, nonsense that Arkham Asylum is. So, uh, what I do, he's like, I'm sick of the revolving door that are, that is Arkham Asylum. It's time someone locked them all up and threw away the key because in my prison, nobody gets out ever. And then it's just like five dudes, prisoners in this vault chained up and uh black masks there. Yeah, his, black mask his is mask one of is them. all broken and smashed. And he's all bloody and they're <laughs> yeah. all just chained to the floor, basically. And it says, welcome to hell. And he's like, nobody ever gets out of my prison, which is super creepy, <laughs> which is sweet. But I mean, Damien's just, that's who he is. So. Right. <laughs> well, the, the line of characters, like, they're all characters that are name villains too. It's not just, yeah, they're pretty, yeah. Not just random characters. They're, they're like name villains. So. so his whole, like Robin's whole point is they, they go find the, the villain before they commit the crime and they take him out. So this, they won't be an issue anymore. So, right. they're, so they're like kind of a, they're the teen Titans, but they're like a black ops team. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, yeah. Which is super crazy. <laughs> and like all the people on his team are like, yeah, like Kid Flash is kind of happy go lucky goofy and so is Cannonball, but the other ones are darker characters. Oh yeah. The rest of the cast has weird like backstory issues that. Like Red Arrow used to be an assassin. Jin's like this 4,000 year old genie. Um, 
crush is Lobo's daughter. And if you know anything about Lobo, he's yeah, terrible <laughs> as a person. <laughs> he's gotten better. He's like an antihero too now. That's a hip thing. Be an antihero. It's awesome. He's on Justice League America. Well, he was. Now that book ended, but you know, whatever. The score for that book, Josh? I gave it like a, a four. I was like, I'm not, like, I've been kind of standoffish with Damien over the years because I was such a Tim Drake fan and I thought Tim Drake got a raw deal. So I was just like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be mad and not read Damien because, but really, I mean, there's such different characters. Um, I think if DC wouldn't have ruined Tim Drake. Yeah, he did get a raw deal. Of all the that changes that I happened, wouldn't hate Damien as much. I yeah. like that I know they can both like, they can exist together. It's fine. It just needs to like, they need to not give him the sh- like give Tim the shaft like they did. But I think he's fantastic in this. He's crazy. And his, <laughs> well, his parents, you know, his mom and his grandpa are Russell Gold and Talia villains. Like, so, yeah. I mean, he and he was raised that way. Straight so up, like, like leader level. Assassin the and villains. you think with him apprenticing under Nightwing that he'd gotten better, but it's like not so much. Maybe maybe more focus than just kill everything. Because before he would just kill them. Now now it's creepier and weirder. But you know, tutelage goes. I mean, you take lessons, I guess. Sort of. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's he he is slightly better now than what he was before. As far as like kill kill them, let the bodies lie themselves out or sort themselves out. But yeah, it's still super creepy that he's basically got a super villain gel. Like, that's a good idea. I mean, Arkham's bad enough, but man, at least in there they're sedated and drugged. And this, they're just, I guess they're whooped the crap out of, so that's almost the same. It's kind of awesome. Uh, score-wise, yeah, I give it I give it four. Like, the art's great. The story's neat. Like, it, it, this particular issue is a very building team issue. But the way it plays out is pretty good. I mean, you get intermingled with action and backstory and slack thereof for some of them backstory but as far as like a setup book you could easily start here and not have read any of the other books and be fine right so it reads as a number one for sure it does for sure but yeah it was really really good i liked the art a lot of it i think the way the characters intermingle is pretty cool so yeah i was pretty pleased with it good stuff very clever especially from a kid's team right well, they've done, been doing a pretty good job with that batch of books lately. I'll give you Tim, Tim Drake to get a raw deal. And the stuff happening with him over in Detective has been really interesting. At this point, they've moved him out of Detective again, him him and Spoiler both. So I guess we'll see where that goes. Because the last thing that happened over there, they wound up getting to see basically what their lives were before New 52. And both of them were kind of wondering how they get back to that. So, like, it's a weird... What's happening over there is crazy. So I guess we'll see what it does, but... Yeah, he of the group of underlings, he got he got the shaft out of all of them. Everybody else basically stayed the same, but his backstory got gutted, and yeah, this didn't go well. Anyway, uh, but yeah, as far as Damien, fun stuff. Uh, okay, well, let's see. We're gonna run an interview. This is uh, from uh, Tony Washington. This is uh, t- was recorded in San Diego Comic Con this year. Um, so yeah, check it out. Uh, fun guy, I think he's awesome. Steve, it's up on Comics Podcast here at San Diego Comic Con 2018, and I'm here with Tony Washington. All right, Tony. So, like, oh, I've seen you out here multiple years, brother. Yeah. You've been doing this for a minute. So, when did you first get into this whole drawing comic book thing? Uh, <laughs> I got lucky and got hired by uh, Image back when I was 18. So, 
I'm a little older now, but uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I got in at 18 working for Wildstorm, so that's when it started. Nice. Well, like, I mean, that's a pretty early age there, man. So, like, what influence did you have when you were first getting into it? So, for comic books, the book that influenced me to want to do comics was Spawn. And I remember seeing that book come out when I was 15, and I couldn't believe how it looked, the color, the way that it was done. And I had to figure out how to do it and get involved. Um, but uh, Tron was the movie that inspired me, period, to draw. Um, but the this, this Spawn was the one that got me to, to want to do comics for a living. Nice. Like, otherwise, like, what do you, training-wise, you have formal training? Like, where's your, where, where are you going to do what you can do? Um, I learned um, from a lot of high school stuff and junior high. Um, I had about three months of college at CalArts, but I left out during summer session and got hired by Image during college, so I left. <laughs> well, it's understandable, man. Well, like, as far as, like, work is concerned, is there any, so if you could pick something, like, say, say, golden, golden apple style, like, what would you want to work on, I mean, outside? If it's just fun, it's fun. But do you have anything that you'd like to work on, like, as your dream? Uh, if it wasn't, if it wasn't fun, it'd be Nightwing. Yeah. That's a really good choice. Oh, no, thank you, man. I like Nightwing a lot. That's yeah. awesome. Damn, man. Well, if you want to get, if you want to get your work, where do they get your work at? Yeah, definitely. Um, TonyWashingtonArt.com. Uh, this fall, I'm revamping it to start selling everything online. So definitely take a look at that site. Uh, and I'm on Instagram at uh, TonyWash619. Uh, but yeah, de definitely uh, TonyWashingtonArt.com is where you can find everything. Awesome, man. Yeah. Okay, so what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, no. Uh, honestly, anything corn. So. <laughs> <laughs> I give you a good library. I give you a good library. All right. So if you're stranded on a deserted island and you only take five items with you, what items would you take? Uh, electricity. <laughs> All right. Uh, if I could do that. Um, gotta have my gotta have my uh, my computer, my Cintiq. So is that can that be one? Or okay. So, uh, gotta have a lifetime supply of my snacks. Uh, Snickers on deck. Um, <laughs> and uh, what am I down to two? Yeah. Um, my, my, well, my wife is there automatically, so that that there's no, that's there's no number on that one. That's no, just no. that. Uh, yeah. Um, you see, got to have our TV and uh, Netflix. So. <laughs> awesome, man. All right, so I got one more. Yes. If you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony? Uh, and a heartbeat. Don't <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, no, it's cool. <laughs> Stick, <never good. laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for talking with us, man. I appreciate it. No, no, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, man. All right, I want to thank Tony again for taking time to chit chat with us. Uh, wish him all the luck in the world. You guys should really check out his art and his websites. Um, so, uh, let's see. Josh, what did you learn today? I learned that when animals die in comic books, I get just as mad as if they die in movies. Yeah, that is a bright you to life kind of thing. I'm actually more worried about that badger, that poor little honey wolverine. <laughs> so worried about him. Nathan. So worried about Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what I learned today? Um, you don't learn lessons. That's the thing is you don't learn. That's you true. You just keep creating, making the same mistakes. Well, that's not something I learned today, though. I do think that um, I learned that how vain you are because you're not willing to shave your beard if you lose a bet. No, I'm not going to use that either. It's going to be years before that cow, that movie comes out. So, doesn't matter. By then, who knows? 
By then, if you I have, might have, a, I, you I have might a full spontaneously, spontaneously combust by then, and you'll get out of the bat. You have a full terrorist beard, and at that point we can talk about it. Or you'll be like, man, it'd be really sweet if I had a Doc Holiday mustache. And that counts as <laughs> shaving your beard. Absolutely not, man. There are a few men that look good with a twirly mustache. One of them is buddy of mine, Nathan, who actually I did an interview with at San Diego Comic Con, or no, at Salt Colorado Springs Comic Con, which you guys are going to hear that pretty soon. He has the twirly mustache on the end, style of Uplash style. The dude sports it awesome. Nice. Yeah. Super sweet. Um, all right. Uh, you got any books to watch, Josh? Um, I'm really into this, that Weatherman book. I'm excited to see where that goes. It's, it's kind of cool. So I don't know if it's a mini series. Do you know? At this point, it's set up as an ongoing, but it's, it's an image. So you never really know. Right. And cells usually dictate what happens. So. Ultimately, the last time I looked, it was ongoing, so I guess we'll see. And I've um, still been enjoying that in the Infinity... The Infinity, um, the Infinity Wars? Yeah, the one with Adam Warlock. And yeah. I, I really enjoy that book, so... You won't like number two so much. That's okay. I've read number two. Oh, are you talking about Infinity Countdown? The Infinity Wars start already? Yeah, so you're a little behind on there. A little behind then. That's right. Sorry, didn't mean to ruin that if I did. Well, already too late. Never mind. Dun, dun, dun. I take that, everybody. <laughs> if any wars has been crazy, we've had major character deaths in like every issue. Which doesn't bode well for it holding water later, but at the same time, it's been interesting. Right. So, uh, well, books I suggest, uh, the current Venom has been great. Uh, Donnie Cates is killing it with that book. It's been freaking awesome. Ryan Stegman doing the art. Also awesome. Um, there was a one shot that dropped this last week called Web of Venom, then Nam. And it's about the, uh, time in Vietnam where a couple of the guys were given pieces of the first symbiote. Oh, and, right. uh, there's a cameo, at least a cameo with Wolverine and, and, uh, Nick Fury. So that was pretty neat. So like, that's a pretty good one shot. It's only one shot. It's in second print already. So if you guys can find first prints, good luck. But. Yeah, popular as far as the one shot goes. It's still Donnie Cates writing it too, so that helps. Um, I think those are great. Uh, Image has the, uh, Death or Glory. Still loving that. I think it's great. Um, so Stranger Things is going to happen in October. And this is the, uh, it's a mini series from Dark Horse, which I think will be fantastic. The setup for it is that during the first season of Stranger Things, Will goes missing and we see flashes of him in, basically running and hiding and stuff. Well, the comic book series is during season one, and it's about Will's time in the underground or the underneath. So it's like all the time he was missing in the batch comic books. So it's like a companion to the TV series. And I think that'll be awesome. And the test art or the preview art they put out for the first issue looks freaking great. So that should be freaking awesome. Uh, So Stranger Things, look for that in October. I want to say it's a four-part miniseries, I think. Uh, they just started a new, uh, it's, uh, well, it's the second volume, but you can read it by itself. Uh, new Predator series, Predator Hunters, volume two. And, uh, the first one was great. It's the first issue of the new series is cool too. I think it's, it's good. Also from Dark Horse Comics. I think that's fantastic. I like Justice League right now. And not that I don't normally like it, because I normally do. So I think that's that's neat. Uh, gosh, there's another one. Actually, this month they put out a bunch of mashup ones, and so far, like, they've been pretty good. 
Uh, we have Catwoman meets Sylvester and Tweety from uh, Hanna-Barbera. And then we have Porky Pig meets Lex Luthor, which the A cover on there is like a freaking nightmare. Pig-faced man, it's, it is creepy. And we have Daffy Duck meets uh, Joker. And Harley Quinn meets, uh, what's the hair monster? He has a name. What's the hair monster's name from Looney Tunes? I don't know. Shoot. Gossamer, that's what it is. Harley Quinn meets Gossamer. A batch of one shots. We're going to have another batch to come out, um, in November, I think. Uh, one which will be Yogi Bear meets Deathstroke, which I think that'll be freaking awesome. Cause the, the, the cover, at least, cause the cover picture is the only thing I've seen for it so far. Yogi looks just like a terrifying, awesome bear. So I think that would be fantastic. Anyhow, I'm sure there's other books, but that's where I'm at now. So I guess I got nothing else. Uh, Josh, anything else? No, sir. All right. Go ahead and take our other podcast to listen if you would be so kind. If you like to sure. uh, listen to jokes about inappropriate things and yeah. movie news out the, uh, out the ears. <laughs> Check out the James Gunn episode if you're a big fan of his and what's going on with him and being kicked off the Guardians franchise and stuff. We do cover that pretty well, but it'd be cool if you guys took a listen if you're into it. Um, Heck yeah. Thanks for having me on the Top 5 Comics episode again. Yeah. Like being on here. Yeah. I've been sick for the last two months. Sorry about that, guys, because the world is just a mess. Comic book shows and comic book shows and then sick because of comic book shows. Anyhow, so if everybody in Colorado Springs is sick, it's probably my fault. Take that, Colorado Springs. So check out the Top 5 Comics podcast, Facebook and Instagram. Oh, yeah. If you want to find uh, another way to find the other, our other podcast is uh, Never Been Done Podcast. Uh, so you can either look it up just by Never Been Done Podcast. It's on YouTube and everywhere also. Or you can find a link on the Top 5 Comics podcast website. So if you go to Top 5 Comics Podcast, uh, down underneath the, the first batch of pop-up weirdness, uh, you have a, there's listings for the different shows. It's got links to this show, links to Never Been Done Podcast, and a link to Ant-Man 2050 Gaming, which is a thing Rob does. So it's YouTube, so it's videos instead of audio stuff. But you can check that out, too, if you want to. And then there's a bunch of other neat little things on that page to look at or whatever. Mostly pictures of me at comic book shows. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Well, you went and did all the work, so. Hey, well, you know, <laughs> whatever. Go for it. One anyway, page. yeah, you can find our, find our links there and leaves, they'll lead you to the other podcast also. I guess that's it. That's it. All right. Well, thanks, thanks for traveling. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. You say right. that one thing that I won't say. What's that? Say that one thing that I won't say. Oh, Tiki. Yeah. Man, how do I forget that? It's been a couple months. Tiki. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. But, it anyway. but I'll remind you to say it, I don't mind. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to get you to Tacky? Tacky. Tacky? No, it's not the same thing. Because it's kind of tacky. Cage and I said Taki. Back whenever whenever there was more of us in the room doing it at the same time, it works better. Tacos? Tacky. No, tacos are something different. Tacos. Yeah. It's what girls. I, mean, I, I love girls.